Technology and food have to be in the top five passions for any nerd. I'm Chris Riley, tech advocate for Splunk, SweetCode contributor, and bad coder turned dev enthusiast. I sit down to eat with techies to talk about modern technologies, careers in tech, and advancement in development practices. My employer does not own or sponsor this podcast. My thoughts are my own, and no guests were drugged or coerced during the recording. This is Developers Eating the World. All right, Mark, we are here at DevOps Enterprise Summit 2019 in Vegas. Yep. Of all places, Vegas is one of the, I don't know, how do you feel about going to conferences in Vegas? I've been coming to Vegas for many years, but I won't talk about most of that. (laughs) (laughs) As far as conferences is concerned. Probably as good as any. At least uh, there's lots of entertainment in between. The, yeah, the I guess I guess the after-show entertainment is is where it differs the most. But once you're in the conference, it's all the same. Yeah, it usually has good services. At least yeah, they're used to big events. So to start, you have a book. Yes, new book. New book just tell us today. about your book. Just it's, today. Oh, yeah, it's launching today. I got my first copy last night myself. <laughs> it's called Engineering DevOps. Uh huh. And it's basically a prescription for reframing DevOps as an engineering-centered problem Uh with an engineering prescriptive solution, step by step. So no matter where you are in your DevOps journey or what your product is or application, this will help you progress with DevOps. It provides a seven-step process and a lot of tools and blueprints and engineering practices. It's also kind of a user's manual for my website because a lot of the tools and so on are on my website. Yeah. Um, so let's dive a little bit more into this because I think this is interesting. I always talk about there's two DevOps. I say there's DevOps, the principles, the mindset, yes. and then DevOps, the practice. And a lot of times when I talk to people, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a result of people struggling to adopt DevOps or or if it really is a people problem, it usually comes down to, I don't have access to this, or this team won't work for me, with me, et cetera. Are you seeing something different when it comes to implementing DevOps? Well, first of all, I think a lot of people try to oversimplify what is DevOps, including some of the proponents of DevOps. Uh, I frame DevOps in this book, it explains it as um, nine pillars, which are present in any successful DevOps. Um, there's leadership, culture, uh, design practices, integration practices, testing practices, uh, monitoring, infrastructure, security, and delivery deployment. Those are pillars, and they exist in every DevOps end-to-end implementation if it's a worthwhile implementation. And every one of those pillars has three dimensions, people, process, and tech. The cross-product of nine and three is 27 critical success factors. So it doesn't surprise me that many people get confused with DevOps. If you want to do DevOps very well, you need to take care of 27 critical success factors. It seems like a lot. So what's the difference between a pillar and a success factor? Is the success factor the KPI? No, a pillar is um, a set of practices that are just categorized in the nine categories I mentioned. So like leadership practices would be a pillar. And, but even those are subdivided into three dimensions. People, aspects of that, process, and tech. So all nine pillars have three dimensions. The cross product is 27 factors. Uh, so that book shows that. And then another vector of in, that's important for doing DevOps is, there, is your maturity level. So there are five maturity levels defined. You need to be careful about what, knowing where you are in the maturity curve. You know, for anything from chaos to 
continuous improvement or the third way of DevOps. So at any point in time, you want to have a balanced solution. Don't go off and invest in the level five continuous testing tool if your integration tools are at chaos level. There's no point. You're not going to have money left to support the integration problem. So have a balanced solution at any point in time and then progress as a system rather than as a Do you find that people are honest with themselves as where they are in the journey? It's not that they're dishonest, they're not informed because they don't have the information. Mm -hmm. So I do assessments and I, every time I do a, an assessment, which is a multi-team, multi-functional uh, workshop, there, there are surprises. People don't understand what their own current state is. And then if you do a value stream map session with them, they're surprised about how long things are taking. They have a different understanding of what their own processes are because they don't own all of it. So you need the cross-functional team to come together. And when you put it all together, they're like, wow, we didn't know that. We learned a lot here. And they, it's usually a very satisfying experience because they, they learn a lot. Right. Right. And uh, they come away with a map of something they can all share and say, yeah, now we have a common understanding. Right. Yeah. All right. So I randomly flipped through your book. Mm -hmm. I found a section. Yes. Service catalogs. Okay. Go. Service catalogs. <laughs> Service catalogs relate to the idea that, especially in big enterprises, you want to have some level of commonality. And a service catalog allows you to have uh, a catalog of stacks and processes that are, you know, defined. Uh, How is that there's different? There's really three uh, def defined uh, pipelines, so you can then call them up and have them available, uh, rather than people just chaotically creating their own choices. How would that relate to, I? so there's two things about that that I think are really interesting, and mm -hmm. I, I did just kind of randomly find that. One is the shared services model. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of companies who have a shared services kind of department. Yes. Um, maybe they're the creators of these catalogs. Would that be? Quite often it's an ops group okay. that is trying to understand DevOps and they want to get some control over it, but they also want to provide flexibility. So the service catalog, if it's done properly, gives you both. It gives you some controls of what the choices are, but the, it also provides a change mechanism so that you can allow flexibility, but it's controlled flexibility. That's the idea. And typically it's an ops team running, a, okay. running that piece. But it's running it on behalf of their clients, which are often dev people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how does it? It's relate? almost like DevOps as a service. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's kind of what I've seen in, in a lot of organizations who are implementing "quote unquote" DevOps at, at scale. How does it relate to ITSM, the service catalogs? Uh, ITSM, in my own opinion, is a little more constrained than what I've seen with DevOps service catalogs. Uh, it's just because ITSM was written ahead of DevOps concepts. It's mostly just terminology. A lot of the same things can be interpreted this way, uh, but my own experience is ITSM itself would need to be upgraded to, to, to speak DevOps language. Got um, it. And I see that you also have a chapter here on uh, ARA, mm -hmm. which I feel was kind of the precursor to DevOps. How would you define ARA and the no, DevOps? I don't see that. I see, Dev I see my own view is ARA is a layer above the CICD. CICD is really a, essentially the value stream expressed as a series of stages from dev through to operations deployments, but the control of that pipeline is a level 
above it, the abstraction of the pipeline into release metrics and controls and triggers. To me, that's what I call, you know, what I think of as ARA. Got so it. ARA is a layer above CICD. I think Microsoft ruined my definition of yes, ARA. Yes, Microsoft, Azure, DevOps, kind of mixes them together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. I have a thing about that myself. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do you enjoy about conferences like this? I mostly enjoy networking with people. It's, you know, uh, this conference in particular is really the number one DevOps conference, for, at least for leadership. There's some others that are better for hands-on folks, you know, the Velocities and the, you know, Jenkins World Cloud Bees stuff now. Um, <clears throat> but for leadership and use cases and, you know, dealing with business people, this is, there aren't that many others. Um, so I love to come and network with clients, customers, other people that are interested at that level. Yeah. So one of the big things that I get, it comes, I think, both from an adoption standpoint, but also a, like, how do we know when we're doing things correctly? How do organizations, or what have you seen in terms of people doing a really good job at understanding how DevOps or the journey to DevOps has impacted or have been beneficial or not, maybe not beneficial to their organization? I've written several blogs on exactly that question. So, you know, the, the, the real issue that many senior managers that are being asked to invest in DevOps have is what's in it for me? I mean, why would I do it? How would I even know when you have a good DevOps if you have one, if it's not well-defined? So I pr profess that you do need a definition. It doesn't have to be a standard one, but you need one, and you need to be able to express it in a way that's measurable, and then you can say, hey, here's where we are. Now, that isn't simple because there are maturity levels of DevOps. Um, I think to say that you have a DevOps at all, in my mind, you need to really be at maturity level three, which is continuous flow. The idea that you can inject a change into the front end of a pipeline, and if there are no errors, it ought to be able to come out to at least the delivery side with very little hands-on. Uh, to me, that's continuous minimum continuous flow. Until you've achieved that, you've got something, but it's not really DevOps. Mm -hmm. It's pieces of DevOps. You know, it's lower-level maturity, but it's not true DevOps. That, that's my own thinking. People would argue that because it's not a standard, but. Um, and that is a measurable, you know, no matter how long it takes for that feature to go through, you know, that change to go through the system, at least you can measure it. Like, it took this long, A to B. There, if you read the state of the DevOps reports, especially the one in 2016, it really categorized, um, well, you could categorize the benefits well, uh, which I did. There are six categories of benefits and about 20 actual goals that you can discern from that document. Um, the six categories are agility, you know, lead time, uh, there's stability, there's efficiency, there's quality, there's security, and there's satisfaction. Uh, and all of those have measurable goals associated with them. The most popular one that I find in my consulting is the lead time. People want a shorter lead time. They want to be able to deliver things in a shorter time. Um, and the second one tends to be quality because if you shorten the lead and time. those two can contradict exactly. each other. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you, it's dangerous to only do lead time. So what I find in my own practice is I'll do an assessment. Maybe they'll say our highest priority is lead time. Let's focus on that for one leg in our journey. They get there and it's disturbing quality. So the next leg is all about quality. 
and it's, oh, know, and they just bounce back and forth. It's a progression. <laughs> well, no, it, it's an improvement, but it's a progression. Yeah. But the next time it might be security. Uh, but I profess that you shouldn't have more than one, but you know, at most two goals at any one point in time. Focus on one; it'll have a benefit to the others, but it can also have a detrimental effect. So don't, don't go too crazy. Keep your improvements, con you know, constrained, measurable, and you know, reassess at the end of of that period and see whether those are still the correct goals for your organization while you're moving forward. I like how you approach DevOps from a very tactical standpoint mm -hmm. and a metric-driven mm -hmm. standpoint. What happens when you run up against a purely people, stubbornness, access control type problem? That can be the most difficult problem. You know, I have a saying that you know, culture is the door uh, to DevOps, and it is. If you don't have the right people, it doesn't matter what the technology is or the metrics. Metrics can have a, an effect. Um, if you have the right metrics, I also say that data is, is more powerful than politics, because a lot of the times the people issues are politics. It's, it's, it's jealousy across the organization, mm -hmm. people trying to progress their careers or something ahead of the next guy or girl. Um, but data can be more convincing than yeah, politics you if you have it. the right data. So you've got to have the right data. And that data may change over time. What is the right data? Um, instrument your, I call three vectors of change in DevOps, the application, the pipeline, and the infrastructure. Those three things need to be instrumented really well with data. And which sets of data are most important at any point in time depending on you know, what your goal is at the point in time. So if your goal is lead time, then make sure the metrics are exposing lead time. So if don't, it's quality, then expose lead Don't have quality. a goal without measuring it. Exactly. That's the quote. Yeah. I'm putting that down. Okay. Um, so I noticed that you had a DevOps Institute pin on your hat, and mm -hmm. I know that Jane and the DevOps Institute is really big on the T-shaped T individual yes. and upskilling, and you were just talking about one of the challenges is you kind of have to sell even if you're not a salesperson, you have to be a steward of, of DevOps. Mm -hmm. um, do you help coach people and in, in organizations on how to do that as well? Yes, uh, the people side of it is, like I said, it's one of the three dimensions of every pillar. People, process, and tech, people. So every pillar has people aspects, whether it's the leadership or all the way to continuous delivery. And part of the people aspect is training and getting folks on the same page in terms of terminology. Quite often the people issue is really a communication issue. Mm -hmm. If it's not, then it's probably a political issue. Like they do know what they're talking about, but they're deliberately disagreeing. Uh, that is a harder problem. That is a leadership problem. Right? And, and yeah, you, you um, have to be careful what, you, what motivations you put in place because you will reap what right. you sow. Motivators are a big factor. And motivators and reward systems have to go hand in hand, so I profess that HR systems need to be tied in with DevOps. That you need to bring in you know, HR into the equation, otherwise they're just trying to measure beans without understanding the cross-functional uh, needs for DevOps. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, to close it out, and use a cliche question, what's next? Is DevOps here to stay? Are we gonna see something new or are we um, is there something well, within DevOps that's going to be In my book, I talk about you know 
really is the five maturity levels from chaos to continuous improvement, but also beyond. So the beyond is really the question, right? Yeah. What's beyond DevOps? Yep. Um, so first of all, I don't think DevOps is going to go away anytime soon. People argue whether it's the right word or not. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really no, matter to me. It's to have me. a conversation. It's, it's, a, it's as good a word as any. Right, to exactly. To frame a, a, a very complex set of things. And I think my book goes some way in explaining it further. But beyond what is currently called continuous improvement, if you look at, there's about a dozen different technologies, and this is also in the book, that are influencing the future. Uh, AI is probably the most, you know, machine learning is probably the most dominant one. In general, the most advanced DevOps environments I have seen tend to be using their data in a very advanced way to self-heal and self-optimize. Mm -hmm. So I claim that level six maturity of DevOps, and it'll still be DevOps, but it'll be a level six maturity, is not continuous improvement, it's continuous autonomous improvement. The system improves itself as mm -hmm. much as possible. Yeah. And I have seen examples of that. Really? Yeah. So That's things great. like for example testing, uh, selecting the right test suites according to what change is going through the system. You can use the results of the test from prior test runs to say, oh, if this kind of change is going through, then these are the tests we ought to be running. So that's an autonomous change. The system is deciding, oh, if that's the change, then we're going to run these tests. That's just one example. You can do that with a lot of other factors in DevOps as well, once you get the data normalized. De DevOps produces a massive amount of data. Like I say, there's kind of three vectors. There's the application stuff, there's the infrastructure stuff, and there's the pipeline stuff. All of those things have data. And all of that is available to, opt to analyze if you can get it in a normal form, and then you can start applying heuristics and you know, AI methods to right. self-optimize. Yeah, all three vectors. Yep. So, so you really believe the the marketing phrase AI and machine learning is something that is that is a reality, and we can bring to. to it's getting there. It's, I see that. I see that as a, a trend. I mean, there are other technologies influencing it as well, but I think they're really that's the center. Right. You know. Some of the other things are more peripheral. I mean, RPA, um, you know, 5G. There's a lot of other things that are going to make DevOps more accessible, mm -hmm. more to the edge. Right. More, yeah. you know, IoT, smaller, more compact, more efficient, and all those things. But the real technology that's going to make it more autonomous is AI and machine learning. Absolutely. Well, Mark, well, thanks for your time here at DevOps Enterprise Summit 2019. Congratulations on launching your book today, um, Engineering DevOps, and I, I look forward to seeing you uh, next year. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks.